This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. Let's go. It's a me, Andrew. <laughs> and we're here stomping <laughs> on Goombas and kicking Koopa shells with the April bonus episode, the novelization of the Super Mario Brothers, of, of the movie Super Mario Brothers. The movie Super Mario Brothers from, from 1993. 1993. Not mm-hmm. the Super Mario Brothers movie from 2023. No. Which we have not seen. We will see no, it. No, we haven't seen it. We 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 wanted to see it. We haven't seen it. We have seen the 1993 movie. I've only seen it the once. Yeah. Craig's seen it multiple times. I read this novelization that we're reading by Todd Strasser as yeah. a child. Did I you? It. I remember paging through these beautiful, the eight pages of full color stills from the movie over and over again and being like, wow, this looks a little weird. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> this isn't the, this isn't the game that I I'm familiar with. Cannot but... imagine reading this book without seeing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it, that's how it was. Oh I think boy. I told the story, just the, the, the one story I can tell about the my media diet as a child is that I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons anymore after the episode in early season two where Bart, Bart goes to, to hell. hell. Yeah. Yes. And so I just didn't see a lot of stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Just didn't see a lot. But you were reading. First movie I saw in theaters, I think, was Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> I saw that in theaters, too. Not even the first one. <laughs> I'm fairly certain I saw this in theaters. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine I saw this. Oh, by the way, this is one of our bonus episodes, uh, which would not exist if not for our patrons, patreon.com slash overdue pod. And we are joined by some of our patrons in the YouTube live chat. Uh, If you want to join that for future episodes, you can go to that website that I just said. And if you were here right now, you could see that I'm dressed as Toad from... Not this movie. Not from the book. movie, because Toad is just like a guy. It's <laughs> like all these, the so many of the the bipedaled characters in this movie are just like people, but they're like descended from lizard DNA instead of being mammals. Yes, yes. That's a weird. It's a weird mythology. It's a so very weird to explore. Yes, and we will get into it. And we wanted to talk about it because everybody's talking about the new Mario movie, but this was the first film. Like, ever adapted from a video game, we're pretty sure. That's what everybody says, anyway. <laughs> Who's everybody? Like, people writing about it contemporaneously in the 90s. I mean, well, okay. Yeah, people, in the, people in, the, in the mainstream media in the 90s famously knew a lot about video games. Well, that's true. Um, where is that article that I found? Vamp mm-hmm. while I find this article, if you can. Did you so people in the in the chat arguing about the uh, artistic merit of Honey, I Blew Up the Kid? Um, somebody said, who was it? Uh, Nora says it's the worst of the trilogy, which I assume 
encompasses Honey, We Shrunk the Kids, then Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, and then the direct-to-video sequel starring our friend Stuart Pankin, yeah. uh, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Great flick. Co-written by Mystery Science Theater guy, Joel Hodgson, who does not <laughs> talk about it in interviews. So I found the... Um, the there's a New York Times article. There were dueling set movie set in disarray articles written about this movie. Mm-hmm. We'll go oh, last, into th- last thing about Honey I Blew Up oh, the yeah. Kid. Uh, Carrie Russell in her film debut. All right, film debut. Yeah, I know. Oh boy, I think she's um, the girlfriend, the, like the girlfriend babysitter. Wow. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. She's she's got a new show. Good for her. Yeah. Um, she's she's been going. Okay. Go ahead. So this is from the New York Times. New York Times. Uh, there was an L.A. Times article crimes. also. <laughs> And LA uh, crimes. <laughs> we'll talk about the tortured production history of this movie. We'll talk about Todd Strasser, the author of this novelization, and we'll talk about uh, just what happens in this book and how Mario it is or not. Uh-huh. Um, but as Andrew alluded to, uh, people were just kind of fascinated by the concept of video games being popular back in '92. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's the opening of this uh, New York Times movie section article, Andrew. New York has entered a state of intense decay. A giant <laughs> fungus crawls across the city, feeding on brick and mortar. The Hudson River has become a dusty plain, and what's left of Manhattan has turned into an eerie universe of reptiles and con men. Rotted car bodies have become easier to find than water or wood, <laughs> and an obnoxious despot ruling the city with whimsical fury has decided he had better do something fast or the place will be history. The city, a future shock melding of Times Square and downtown, is called Dino Hatton, and the despot, <laughs> the evil King Koopa, has to find a way to merge the rest of New York. Uh, with his desiccated reptilian empire. Does any of this sound familiar? If so, you are probably a 12-year-old boy or one of the many Super Mario maniacs who sometimes act like 12-year-old boys. None of this is in the game. completely ruined your credibility right away because if you had played the game or if you knew any children, you would know that the city of Dino Hatton is not... (laughs) The thing that appears in any canonical Super Mario games. I read so maybe the, I don't know, like those those weird CDI ones. I haven't played. The, so maybe there's like maybe there's Dino Hatton in one of those. Yeah, Mario in Time or something. Maybe who knows? Um, mm. But the I don't know. Like there's one of the LA Times article. Somebody from the movie refers to it as Dino York. <laughs> okay, or Dino York. I guess. Mm-hmm pretty bad why do you have a shirt on under your vest that's kind of ruining the toad costume everyone knows that toad has no shirt well under his vest i'm i'm hairier than toad is so i didn't i didn't want to ruin the clean lines i mean toad's pretty hairy have you seen that picture of well please have you seen that good toad yeah Yeah, please please retweet the toad um so this is not our first todd strasser novel for the podcast andrew it's not did you recall that i mean i he's everywhere so i'm not surprised to learn that we've read another todd strasser book but which one was it in december 2015 our very first movie novelization we talked about Uh, the movie home alone home alone yes so todd strasser wrote the novelizations of home alones one through three um i think that was episode 151 yes mm-hmm. 151 you can go back and listen we have some f- i listened to the opening section there's a lot of good talk about movie novelizations um and how those happen and the mm-hmm. current state of them movie tie-in novels all that mm-hmm. stuff 
Did we, how much like Todd Strasser did we talk? None about? None at all. We None completely all. glossed over the fact that he exists. I, maybe that was before. I mean, what? I think the 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 Sonic one was the one where to like yeah. the author's name was like hidden inside the cover on like the interior title. Page. That is true. I think we've been paying more attention to uh, to the authors of these novelizations as we've gone. But yeah. it's too bad that we gave short shrift to Todd Strasser. No, the guy's been out here doing the lord's work for for years and years <laughs> so you can tell me a little bit about his novelization career i just want to let everybody know quick i'm just gonna just oh. boop that over you're just getting the toad i'm just getting th- a picture of toad to overlay over oh. you in case your video freezes oh, that's or something. perfect yeah okay yeah. that mm-hmm. if everyone that's what i'm going for here mm-hmm. um so Todd Strasser, born in 1950 in New York City, went to NYU and Beloit New York Col- City, <laughs> uh, Dino Hatton, um, and Beloit College. He worked as a reporter and copywriter. His first novel, Angel Dust Blues, in 1978. Angel Dust? I don't know, man. Like cocaine? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, he has written many books, or that the, they've been published in Germany under the pen name Morton Rue. And he had a great success in uh, Germany writing his novel, his novel *The Wave*, which was a novelization of a TV movie, mm-hmm. has been remade into a German movie. Wait, so a novelization of a TV show, TV movie, TV movie, and then they made the novelization back into a movie? Correct. Like twenty mm-hmm. years later, in a different country. Mm-hmm. And it is a fictionalized account of a teaching experiment called the Third Wave, where this guy like taught his social studies kids about Nazism, but in a way that made them <laughs> Nazis or something. Mm-hmm. It was like a Stanford prison experiment sort of thing. Wonderful. Okay. Um, he uh, he wrote the Help I'm Trapped series, which somebody in our Discord told me. Do you ever read any of those? So I did read. I think two of them. Uh, so he wrote about a million of these yes. uh, Help I'm Trapped books between uh, 1993 and 2011. Uh, there's Help I'm Trapped in My Teacher's Body, Help I'm Trapped in the First Day of School, uh, Obedience School, My Gym Teacher's Body, The President's Body, My Sister's Body, Obedience School Again, Santa's Body, My Principal's Body, First Day of Summer <laughs> Camp, My Camp Counselor's Body, An <laughs> Alien's Body, A Movie Star's Body, My Lunch Lady's Body. These are really <laughs> bouncing all over the place, by the way. Like, you I, burn the president on book five, and then by book 14, you're back down to Lunch Lady. <laughs> I definitely read Help I'm Trapped in Obedience School. Sorry, Professional Wrestler's Body, A Vampire's Body, A Supermodel body in summer camp which doesn't seem i don't know if that has body switching in it or not. <laughs> and then in the first day of camp which is another temporally based those are that's a weird a trap. trap yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i i seem to remember help i'm trapped in my dog's body there is there being a scene where someone came home and the kid in the dog's body was just watching tv using his dog paw to use the remote control mm-hmm is burned into my brain. I'm almost sure I remember reading Gym Teacher's Body because he was in his Gym Teacher's Body for so long that he started letting it be not muscular anymore because he wasn't working out. Oh, no. But his Gym Teacher, who was trapped in his body, was making his body more muscular. Oh, man. So it was just like weird body stuff. Okay. Um, but he has written, a, a. let me just check my notes here, a bajillion movie novelizations. Uh, he has written 29 movie, new movie novelizations in the 80s and 90s. Okay. Um, 
Home Alone one. These are just this, these are highlights. Yep. Home Alone one to three. Jumanji, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Hocus Pocus, Free Willy, Adam's Family Values. Yep. The Beverly Hillbillies movie. Yep. Uh, Richie Rich, Street Fighter, and then the two I read were this one, the Mario Brothers one, and then the novelization of the Page Master. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's wild. So this guy was just the go-to, like, we need a book with our movie poster on a shelf yesterday. You call up old T. Strasser, and he hooks you up. Mm -hmm. 20th Century Fox and Disney were really on board for this. I saw he also did novelizations of Lady and the Tramp um, and at least one other, like, classic animated movie of theirs yeah he did a couple like classic uh disney movies which must have uh, been like when they were maybe re-released in theaters yeah like or just bringing them out of the vault yeah lady and the tramp is one and the disney peter pan is one yes yes Uh, it's weird to me too that he wrote a novelization of jumanji i understand that that movie is very different from the book (laughs) (laughs) but i mean maybe that's why i mean why I would. What book to movie adaptation would you like to read a novelization of? I'm wondering what the Lord of the Rings is like. Oh dang! If you if you just do the like the first one would be mostly the same, I guess. But there'd be a lot more like yelling. Yep. <laughs> and less Tom Bombadil. Yep. Um, I think... Jason G in the chat also points out Peter Pan already a book. Yep. Also. <laughs> Well, and Miracle of 34th Street is based on Santa Claus, who's real, so that's just a biography. Sure. Um, what you said, book adaptation that I'd like to read. So the a novelization book, a book of. that they made into a movie, and then yeah. they novelized the movie without going back to the book. Oh boy, yeah. It's um, it's hard for me to escape the kind of the last fifteen years of like major franchises because that feels like a mm-hmm. gimme answer. Mm-hmm. So. You know, you go and find some magic beasts. Oh, God. I don't. <laughs> and I don't want to solve the crimes of Grindelwald. No, you don't want to solve I, the crimes of Grimblegrob? I feel like maybe like some sort of weird Philip K. Dick adaptation. Mm. Like when, like the Adjustment Bureau, like something in the <laughs> aughts when they were testing out new movie stars with Philip K. Dick ideas. Bronwyn says the Da Vinci Code. Right? Oh, that's, that's, that's the, the right answer. answer. That's the one right answer. That's the one right answer. One answer to rule them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also like to read novelizations of various Adam Sandler movies. I want to okay. see how the comedy plays on the page. Sure. Just the Water Boy or Little Nicky or Click. You know, all your favorites. Little Nicky! <laughs> I saw that movie in theaters. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, Mr. Deeds. Oh, yeah, Mr. Deeds. Sure. <laughs> That's a good one. So the novelization of Joe Dirt. Oh, tell me about your relationship to Super Mario. Uh, It's the earliest video game I remember playing. It was the very first uh, NES one. Same. I I very, very vaguely recall being in the Kmart or whatever. And like seeing the boxes for the Nintendo, and then we brought it home. Great. Um, and then yeah, just played all of them. Not always when they right when they came out, but I think starting with uh, maybe like Mario Galaxy, which was the Wii one. They were always like day one purchases for me, and then disposable and, income, adulthood, yada yada. Yes, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yep. Um, I just just really like this. I really like this guy. I really like this plumber. My, fa- <laughs> I was. 
I went to two or three E3s in my work as a as a reporter. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite. So there's this guy Charles Martinet who does Mario's voice in all the games, but not not notably, in the movie. Not in the movie. <laughs> Which I've got to, I got to imagine that was an uncomfortable meeting to call Charles in for. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're making a movie and it's not you. We're sorry. Uh, but yeah, Charles Martinet, ever since like a, like 1995, I think, is the Mario teaches typing that he did the voice for. The oh, really? Time. Okay. Yeah, he's been the voice of Mario. And so you go to E3 and they usually have him there somewhere. Yeah. To do some kind of live something. Is he like someone who's behind a wall just doing a but voice? So the, so the year I was there was the year that the the Wii U one came out with like Cat Mario. Oh, yeah. And he was just there in a booth somewhere. And there was a big, like on all the TVs throughout Nintendo's entire booth was like a Mario, an animated Mario face. <gasps> and Charles Martinet was just like vamping. A memoji. While, <laughs> while Mario's lips moved. <laughs> <laughs> to whatever it was that he was saying and it was it was weird it was like dystopian but what if it was mario <laughs> instead I love it. of like the 1984 guy i don't know that's great mm-hmm. that's wonderful i yeah. didn't own nintendo consoles between because sega did what nintendo did well no I, I had a super oh, you, nintendo you had a super nintendo I had a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo, played with Mario's on those, but I got a Super Nintendo after uh, my pack. So the big thing about Mario, we're go- I'm mm-hmm. going to go through a little... This, this, is the, this is the big thing to know I'm going to go Mario. through a little brief history of Mario in a second. Dude loves mushrooms. He, oh, boy. But he doesn't eat people who are mushrooms. No. Probably. <laughs> Probably. You think that gets uncomfortable ever? He's like chowing down on some creminis and they're like, no, my cousin. <laughs> it's my dad. Um, uh, and he's like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom and take a shiitake. Uh, and so I owned the NES and the Super Nintendo. And both of those devices in the United States came with Pac-In Mario games, made them very popular. I didn't get my Super, Super Nintendo for a while came with a... Like a thing where you can mail in for for all stars Mario, Mario All Stars, yeah. which was Super Nintendo remakes of four games that they gave away for free. It was great. And now, if you did that, it would cost like between sixty and two hundred forty dollars to year. get that same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um. Uh, but my SNES pack in was Donkey Kong Country. Um, mm, sure, that's a good one. That's a good yes, one. it was great. I have very fond memories of that Christmas. And then, I don't think they did like Nintendo sixty four is when they started doing like all the different color consoles. For correct. Yes. different games yes. i don't think the super nintendo came in a bunch of colors nope. uh and then i didn't own a nintendo console until the switch um i had a playstation one and a playstation two and then a switch or no an xbox 360 um, yes you did have an xbox 360 yeah, sorry <laughs> i remember um, watching you played skyrim on your tv yeah. te- tv in your teeny bedroom in your first apartment apartment. adulthood (laughs) because you picked the smallest bedroom so you could have the smallest friend (laughs) i was making the least money yeah i still had a degree Mm -hmm. um but all this to say i think my most the mario game i was most excited for when it came out was a game called super mario rpg Came that out on the owns, Super Nintendo. That game owns. owns um, I had played a bunch of the Final Fantasy games, which was some of my first Super Nintendo games. And then the same people made a Mario game that, mm-hmm. that used some of the same ideas, and it was super cool mm-hmm. and it was really fun. 
and that's my favorite Mario game. I have never, I haven't like gone back and replayed it recently, but I, I'm sure I would it's, have a great time. Spoilers, still pretty good. Yeah, well, even though the the like stuff about the isometric perspective is a little aged wonky, weirdly, but yeah, that was fun. Um, um, Lexi asks, "Who's your favorite character slash who do you play as in Mario Kart?" Toad. So Craig is Toad, Toad in Mario Kart. I'm Waluigi in Mario Kart. Uh, favorite character is also Waluigi. Waluigi is. When he came out in like the early 2000s, everybody was like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and then at some point in the over the next like 15 years, everybody just got totally horny for Waluigi. Yeah. He started dancing in the Olympics games with roses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everyone just realized like the fact that he is not featured means we can do whatever we want with him. Yeah. On DeviantArt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that doesn't stop anybody from doing anything <laughs> on DeviantArt. Fair enough, but no, I I respect the Waluigi love because he's an improbable character that was born out of a tennis game because Wario needed a doubles part. Yes, and he was he was born in the dark, and he is <laughs> he has clawed his way up, and he will um, make us all pay. So Mario as a character, uh, before we get into the history of the movie, and then before we talk about this book. Mario was created by Shigeru Miyamoto uh, for a, to be the playable character in the arcade game Donkey Kong. Nintendo needed a new hit, and they were doing art for Donkey Kong. Originally, it was supposed to be a Popeye game, but they couldn't get the rights. So if you've ever looked at the, Mar- the old Donkey Kong game and you're like, wow, it looks like Popeye and Bluto and uh, Olive Oil, you're right. <laughs> I... Mm, the only one i mean i mean i guess the princess in it looks like olive oil the yep. other two it's it's either it's, it's kind of abstract like i guess you could see how they would be those characters but the the size relationship i think is really the big part of it yeah everybody knows that bluto is four times as big as Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> um and the character was originally a carpenter named jump man mm-hmm. um but folks in the is that a, Jew, is that a jewish name <laughs> Jumpman? 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 Um, in the Washington State Warehouse, I guess, a warehouse of Nintendo in Washington mm-hmm. State, I think, um, they had a landlord there named Mario Segal, and that is purportedly where people started calling Jumpman Mario, mm-hmm. and Miyamoto liked it, so he kept mm-hmm. it. That's the story That's that cool. I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 83, they made a game called Mario Brothers, which you can still go find in arcades today or on the Switch, I think. Or if you play Mario 3 and you play the little versus yes. mode where you can take everybody everybody's items. Yes. And there's a lot of like creatures in sewer pipes and you and your brother deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Miyamoto created Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Or Famicom, Famicom, baby. In 1985, um, which, as I said, was then bundled for sale as it became popular and then it kind of exploded. I always heard Andrew, did you ever hear this story that like Miyamoto thought about the scrolling level idea while like riding on trains or something? Did you ever hear that anecdote? No, no, I never okay. heard that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um there's an interview with him in Time magazine that I saw from like 2010. Cassandra says, I bet that guy tells his grandkids that Mario's named after him and they just roll their <laughs> eyes and go, Yeah, sure, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> As Beth points out, one positive contribution by landlords. Um, yeah, yeah. So he shifted. Only, the-, the only chill landlord is the guy <laughs> Mario's namesake. This is a, a Time Magazine interview in 2010. Uh, Miyamoto talks about shifting the focus to Mario because Donkey Kong was too big. 
Uh, yeah, I mean that's feels like fat shaming, but just okay. hard to animate and things like that. In oh sure, you know. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, that's liked... a, that's not 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 at all a common fair reason enough. why fat characters okay. aren't don't appear in video Jesus. games. Good, okay, good criticism. Um, uh, he liked using Mario in lots of games. Like he put him in. Uh, he was the referee in Punch Out. He mm-hmm. was in tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said it's sort of common among popular culture in Japan that a creator will take. Uh, character and have him appear in different uh, manga. It's sort of like maybe Hitchcock appearing in all his movies. <laughs> uh, I sort of think of Mario as my go-to actor. So when I'm creating, and this is when he talks about um, the history of Mario with Nintendo, he says, when I'm creating a new system, I plug Mario in to see how he will react or what we can do with Mario in the design. He's like the trusted guy you throw in to see how the system is working. Uh, and he says, how do, creates you, how do you think that is for Mario? I don't that know. Sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> he says it creates a sense of uh, familiarity for the player. The player can think, even though I don't know what's going on, at least I'm Mario. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and that was that was a great part of Nintendo systems until like 2001 when it became tradition to instead release the Mario games six to 24 yep. months after the console yep. came out. Weird, huh? Mm-hmm. So then Mar- everybody loves Mario, Andrew. We all Loved Mario in the 80s, in the Some early 90s. have said, I've, I've ever re- read it somewhere that Mario is like cringe. But I think everybody, people just called stuff cringe when they don't like it. I think there's a, there's an age where you kind of feel like maybe you're growing out of Mario, but then you come back. And they yeah, and, and I think, too, that some of that might just be a reaction to a corporation capitalizing on people's like feelings can feel cringy. Right. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think to like Mario is cringe. I think maybe like nin- what Nintendo is trying to. Yeah, I don't agree with that assessment. But um, but in 1993, everybody loves Mario. All the articles say he's kids know him as well as they do Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So this guy, Roland Yaffe, he is an Academy Award winning filmmaker of the <laughs> of the Killing Fields and the Mission. Who's about to make a career-ending mistake. <laughs> well, he had his own... He had, he had won the Palme d'Or. Like, he was a, a serious cinematiste, right? Mm-hmm. And he is like, oh, I've got my own studio. I want to make, like, popular... I want movies that are going to make money also. Mm-hmm. And so he approaches Nintendo. Okay. And he's like, hey, what if we make a <laughs> Mario movie? Mm-hmm. And according to multiple sources, the pitch is that um, this is from one of the screenwriters, one of the many screenwriters. It has a lot of screenwriters. Uh, was that it was a prequel, Andrew. To, to quote games? To quote Parker Bennett, our take on it was that Nintendo interpreted the events from our story and came up with the video game. We basically worked backwards. Mm-hmm. So but, I mean, so the video—it's the video game's fault for not adapting Dino Hatton or the Koopa Mari Desert or any of the other locations well, from. Okay. So in there's an inverse.com oral history um, where mostly it's just a bunch of people being mad and Fiona Shaw talking about drinking with Bob Hoskins, uh-huh. but uh, one of the directors—it was a husband and wife duo, Rocky Morton and Annabelle Yonkel. 
and Rocky said, there's a scene missing that the producers cut out. The scene was right at the very, very end when the Mario Brothers were back in Brooklyn, and there's a knock, knock, knock on the door, and it's two executives from Japan from Nintendo. They've come to buy this story, the life story of the Mario Brothers, Mm -hmm. because they want to use it in this video game they're producing. They Mm -hmm. write down the story dictated to them by Mario and Luigi, and it all gets lost in translation. And that was the crucial scene of the movie because it made sense to the entire movie why the movie was so different to the video game because uh-huh. it got no, lost that, in translation by Nintendo. That, we that shot it and everything, but they cut it out. That's the one scene that would have saved it. That's the You're one right. scene. Yep. Yep. Um, there were so many people. Danny DeVito and Dustin Hoffman were almost in this movie as Mario. Danny DeVito would have been a good Mario. Yep. He would have been great. Uh, the original screenplay was by Barry Morrow, who co-wrote Rain Man. They didn't use any of that. There was a screenplay by the guys who wrote Richie Rich and the Flintstones. They didn't use any of that. Should have used that. Those Harold, guys were those guys had high hands at that period. Harold Ramis almost directed it. <laughs> he declined. I just um, and I travel to these alternate universes. Yes, I think there is one universe for every Mario movie creative team <laughs> that could have done the Mario movie. And then Yaffe was thinking that they were going too like medieval in some of their and fantasy in some of their ideas. He started thinking about Max Headroom, <laughs> and so he literally brought on the directors and creators of, of some of the creative team of Max Headroom, Rocky Morton, and Annabelle Yankel, who mostly had done a lot of music videos up until then, other than Max Headroom. They liked the vibe of the '89 Batman and the Ninja Turtles movie. Ooh. And so they wanted to go dark and have a lot of fun. Weird combination. Uh, They uh, at one point they hired Dick Clement and Ian LaFernay, the guys who wrote, among other things, across the universe to punch up the script. But they made it too adult. And so they were fired so that they could get uh, Disney distribution. (laughs) Wait, that horrible Beatles. Yeah. Mamma Mia movie Uh across the universe. Okay. Yeah. Then Ed Solomon. Um, one of the writers of Bill and Ted and Men in Black and his and a co-writing partner, Ryan Rowe, came in to family up the script, like make it family friendly. <laughs> uh, and that that's how Disney got involved as the distributor. <laughs> and this movie is just a mess. And it's like Bob Hoskins calls it one of the worst things he's ever made. Uh, Dennis Hopper has a quote where his da- his little son asked him why he played that mean guy, King Koopa. And he said, well, Henry, I did that so you could have shoes. And his child said, Dad, I don't need shoes that badly. <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody liked working on this movie. They would like run away and do Shakespeare on the beach to like feel like actors. Yeah, poor Bob Hoskins especially seemed to really struggle with, yep. with the things he was being asked to do day to day. I did not realize that they it was shot at like an abandoned cement factory in South Carolina or something, <laughs> which is why everything in Dino Hatton looks the way it does, because that's just what the building they were in looked like. Uh-huh. Just why there's a big bucket in the sky in Dino Hatton. Did you know from the chat that Bob Hoskins was English? I did know that. I did not know that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. No, he's like, Which yeah. makes it worse somehow. <laughs> well, and he was, he didn't want to do the movie because he'd just like done Hook and a couple other family-friendly films and he was like kind of annoyed that he was he did, in this he, thing. He did Roger Rabbit yes, too, right? Yes, In like the mm-hmm. late 80s, so yeah. But 
Yeah. So uh, Miyamoto-san, the great Shigeru Miyamoto, mm-hmm. had to say, in the end, it was a very fun project that they put a lot of effort into. A lot of effort was put into it. It's just not by any one person for long enough for it to feel like anything. This quote doesn't make any sense to me. The one thing that I still have some regrets about is that the movie may have tried to get a little too close to what the Mario Brothers video games were. And in that sense, it became a movie that was about a video game rather than being an entertaining movie in and of itself. there, There are a lot of problems with this movie. Being too close to Mario is not one of Being too close to the Mario games is not one of the things that's wrong with it. All right, Andrew, that's all the prep I have. I'm going to turn it over to you to drive the discussion of the book. I just, I just, I like something I like about this movie, which we watched together a few years ago. A few years ago, yeah. Because you were so incredulous that I hadn't seen it. It didn't make sense to to me that you hadn't seen it. (laughs) So I needed to watch it so I could, like, so you could reconcile the person you knew with the yep. person you thought you knew. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Um, I just don't think movies get to fail this big anymore. Like it was three decades before Nintendo yeah. would do another movie, which yep. is the Mario movie. Well, no, they did Detective Pikachu. So it's like 25 years. Yep. Yep. Between yep. this and when they started dipping their toe in movies. But I don't again. even. So, you, like, coming up to this movie, you have the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Mm-hmm. You have, like, the Mario 3 cartoon, mm-hmm. which is the one with Millie Vanilli in it. You have, you have that weird, like, local access TV show called King Koopa's King Cartoon Coop- yes. Cavalcade or yes, whatever it is. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like, they were, they were letting people experiment with the brand right and, and i love i love that era of nintendo because yeah. they have spent every minute of their existence since then not letting people experiment with their with their ip <laughs> and and this movie may be part of that and in particular mario which has been like the the pokemon you know became a successful anime and like kind of took off but nintendo's never really made a lot of other cartoons. I guess there's been some Donkey Kong and like Kirby cartoons and yeah, stuff. there's some Kirby cartoons in Japan, especially I think. But there's never been, to my knowledge, like a modern like regularly airing Mario cartoon. Like, I don't that's think not so, a thing. No. Um so we you know how earlier we talked about skipping Todd Strasser in the Yeah. <laughs> in the I mean we talked a little bit about the things that he's written uh, just real quick about Todd Strasser. I know we're like 40 minutes no, into this. No, you're fine. Um, he was born in 1950. He's an American writer. He's mostly known for his children's YA novels. He is sometimes written as Morton Rue or T.S. Yep. Rue, particularly in, in Germany, particularly yep. in Germany, which we yep. talked about. Uh, born and grew up in New York City, was a reporter for the Middletown Times Herald Record. My The weirdest thing about Todd Strasser that feels harder to reconcile with all his work as like a kid's writer and a... And a novelization writer is more recently he's written a bunch of like uh what's the word i want it's a bunch of like controversy adjacent sort of things he wrote this 2019 book called the price of duty yes which is to put it very briefly about a u.s military veterans complicated struggles like reintegrating into society uh he wrote a book in 2014 called fallout about the cuban missile crisis uh, in 2016, he wrote a book called American Terrorist, which caused some controversy because of a the, the cover and the blurb that the publisher, Simon Schuster, put out. 
Um, and because he's an old white man writing a book about how um, two young Muslim Americans turn to terrorism. Oh, well, <laughs> because so they're being neglected by society. But like. So all that being said, that's one of those the, things feels not like the other to me. The other, the re, you know, like the the reviews of some of these books were pretty good, and the Goodreads page of this book, uh, American Terrorist, is exclusively people who haven't read the book saying that it's the most horrible thing that that oh, any yes. book publisher has ever done. Okay, great. Okay. And then also the other group is people who haven't read the book who are saying that the first group is a bunch of like triggered libs. Great. Wonderful. So like I don't know what the truth of this book <laughs> is. I mean, I I can say that the optics of having a like a 60-year-old white guy write that book are not great. No. Um and like maybe the optics are bad enough to make the endeavor not worth the effort in the first place, but yeah, the he controversy. Did. It does seem like a sort of Twittered style controversy where it's down to like the title cover and blurb, none of which Todd Strasser would have had anything to do with. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just weird. It was weird. It was weird to to stumble upon a 2016, 2017 era Twitter controversy and be able to like see, you know, to like trace, like to to dig through the the site and see the fossil record of exactly how the controversy would have broken down. Um, as Grace in the chat points out, this is not the first time that uh, Strasser has waded into current events. He yeah. wrote Give a Boy a Gun, um, purportedly one of the first books kind of relating to and addressing the Columbine massacre directly. Um, yeah, he, he just, just seems he just likes I don't know. to do this. I don't, and I don't. Mm. I went to his website. He has like a like open invitation to people to like educators that he will be like, I will just chat with your kids about books because I know that like talking to an author might make kids and like he's like very passionate about literacy. Mm-hmm. And I the blurb that I read about Price of Duty was it like made it sound like it was about the military exploiting young people in recruitment. And like, like maybe I think that's in it. I think he he is a a big. Uh, I don't think we can pin him down, sort of guy. I think like I was I was I couldn't find any interviews with him, um. But he does he. I can't decide if he he feels like a both sides make good points guy or like a debate me kind of guy. But it's just it is. <laughs> he does get a little. Uh, more pol- like over political to, after writing movie novelizations for like he likes to years. touch the third rail. Yeah, you know, as Beth says in the chat, we all contain multitudes. So, so let's talk about this book. Complicated, a complicated. Tell me the story about of a complicated, complicated author. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, tell me about the opening of this book, Andrew. We we Brooklyn, we're... sixty-five million years ago. <laughs> It was a time when the earth was young. Volcanoes spewed gray ash into the sky and spilled boiling red lava onto the ground. The oceans were warm, and the planet's surface was covered with marshes and lush green vegetation. Many animals inhabited the seas and lands, (laughs) but towering over all of them were the greatest creatures that ever roamed the earth, the mighty dinosaurs. Mm. Uh, And then, like, meteorites come and crash into the earth, but instead of killing the dinosaurs... uh, it crashed into the earth with an explosion so great it hurled the dinosaurs into another dimension. There they continued to evolve into intelligent, voracious, highly aggressive beings just like humans, which is oh, an interesting description of humans. Snap! Brooklyn, 20 years ago. Crack! Thunder crashed and lightning flashed in the stormy night sky. Uh, somebody leaves an egg with a rock in it on the stairs of a convent. Yes. 
and some nuns take it in and the, the egg hatches and out of it comes like a, a human, a human appearing baby A little arm. baby hand. And also, I don't know if it's in that chapter. Oh, yeah, there's a meteorite piece like in the bassinet or whatever. And Koopa was chasing the lady who, King Koopa, who we don't know who he is, uh-huh. was chasing the lady who dropped the egg off at the convent. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he had to go back to his home dimension yes. for reasons. So baby hatches out of the egg. And then chapter three, Brooklyn Today. <laughs> Brooklyn Today. This is like seven pa- seven pages into the book. We've spanned 65 million years. I love it. Uh, the, the There's this guy uh, inside one of the buildings in a small apartment. A short, stoli- solidly built man sat at a wooden desk talking on the phone. He wore a light blue work shirt and khaki trousers. His name was Mario Mario, and like his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather before him, he sported a thick black mustache. Uh, Luigi Mario was laying on the couch in the living room staring at the TV. He was wearing a white t-shirt, white jeans, and a white baseball cap backwards on his head. <laughs> Luigi was taller and better looking than Mario, and unlike his brother, he didn't wear a thick black mustache. Now, we didn't talk about this earlier. This is John Leguizamo playing Luigi. Uh-huh. Um, and, Bob, and Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins as Mario. As Mario. Um, Leguizamo had a quote at one point. He said, Italians always play Latin people. Like, now it's our turn. <laughs> <laughs> he's very excited to play an Italian in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mama mia. If he's Italian, who knows? I mm-hmm. saw one other quote from one of the creative people who was like, I don't know, it's a mixed family. And it's like, I, he's just Luigi Mario. It's fine. His name's Luigi Mario. He's a, he they're likes plumbers. to read like, yeah, they're plumbers. Luigi's a weirdo who likes to read Batboy stuff. Mario. Oh yeah, he loves like World Enquirer kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mario is uh, sort of the long-suffering older brother who's brought up Luigi in yep. the absence of parental figures. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but they have a, they have a plumbing company. They get called to a job. They go to the restaurant, the Bella Napoli. Yep. And they find that some other plumbers, the Scapellis, have them there from Sca- from Scapelli Construction Plumbing and Concrete. Yep. This is a weird, like, secondary antagonist in this who's, like, single-handedly responsible for the portal between dimensions being open, but also gets just, like, shot in the face with a gun at the end and doesn't end up amounting to anything. I have a note when he is fighting with Daisy, uh, like, a scene or two from now. And mm-hmm. so we're going to meet Daisy in a second. She will become the princess, but for the, when we meet her, she's just a young archaeologist uncovering a dig site in New York City. Yeah. And he basically in jokes he jokes to her in front of his henchmen that he will, like, have her killed uh-huh. so that he can, you know, build something. And she, like a real <laughs> like a real centrist is like well there's a court order that says you can't be here <laughs> jeez yeah the nor- the norms will keep you safe daisy fair enough um, <laughs> um and she is being followed uh by some by who iggy and spike iggy and spike named who- after uh two of the koopalings from mario 3 wait is spike koopa one of the I didn't think Spike was one of the Koopalings. I thought he was. Iggy definitely is. You think about Roy? You think about how they all have spikes? Oh no, I'm well. Huh. Thinking of Wendy O. Koopa? 
No, I'm thinking of an article I must have read where someone said it was based on the Koopalings, but no, there is a there is Spike Koopa, who is a character found only in Mario Party. What am I talking about? <laughs> so Iggy and Spike, we initially I think that they're we, we think that they're like Scapelli guys, right? But they are following Daisy, and there's some seems something a little off about these these two. Like they, they don't really seem like they fit in here in Bro- here in Brooklyn. They reference having gotten other girls incorrectly. They've kidnapped, yeah, like three or four other people. And Luigi has mentioned that in his you know World News Enquirer that there have been some kidnapping of girls from Brooklyn, um, which may or may not be real. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Scapelli's antagonizing Daisy. These guys yeah, are, attacked, the, are following the, her. The guy, and, and so the Scapelli guys have, have taken Mario and Luigi's job because Scapelli's like mobbed up, I guess. And they, yes. so the, the Bella <laughs> Napoli has, yep. has to use his plumbers or yep. they'll like break his kneecaps. But he offers the Mario brothers dinner that night. And so <laughs> sure. they, I mean, that's what he does. And he so. Does. And Luigi sees Daisy trying to use the phone to call some authority figure to tattle on Scapelli's goons. Yep. Who are harassing her at the work site. And Luigi's like, Mamma Mia, this is one spicy meatball. I need to go get her number. He doesn't say that. Well, Mario's like, you should go get her number, you idiot. Yeah, there. You, I, I will leave to you to discuss the dynamic between Mario and Luigi because I'm just trying to get us through the, yeah, the book before this podcast runs for two hours. But uh, uh, so Luigi goes and talks to Daisy, and then is it at this point that there's like a, a chase sequence, or are they? No, first they do a double date with they do Luigi they do a double date with uh with Luigi and Daisy and then Mario and his girlfriend who's Daniela Daniela mm-hmm. and doesn't I correspond to any known Mario character that I'm no aware does of. not exist mm-hmm. um lo, uh two things real quick Luigi calls uh Daisy a bonologist right which is what she is uh-huh. Also, also the same job as Doctor Temperance Brennan on the show Bones. Oh, fair enough. Doctor um, Temperance Bones Brennan on the show Bones. Yeah. At one she, point, she Bones. Mm-hmm. At one point, when he when he first introduces himself to Daisy, um, he walks up to her and says he asks her name and she says, "I'm hi, I'm Daisy." She says, "I am Daisy." <laughs> and he goes, "That's nice. I've never met a Daisy before. I mean, I've seen flowers lots of times. Uh, not that I hang out in flower shops." Luigi? It's like a weird combination of no homo and oops, my like brainstem accidentally disconnected from the rest of my yep. spine and I don't know how to talk like a human being anymore. Similarly, <laughs> when we go to Dino Hatton and Mario meets Big Bertha or whatever yeah. and he's like, oh, is it lady in question marks? I'm like, shut up, Mario. Uh, Mario. Um, but yeah. Now, I they, mean, in fairness to poor Big Bertha, she is named after like a giant fish that just yeah. exists to devour Mario whole. So that's true. That's true. Like, it's not a flattering character to be named after anyway. <laughs> but, Mario encourages Daisy, uh, Luigi to walk Daisy home. They go to her dig site instead for some reason. Well, she, he's just going to, she's going to, he is fascinated by her work yes. as a bonologist. And she's like, and oh she my God, is no like, one likes fossils like yeah, me. Yeah, she, she's like, no one has ever been interested in my work as a bonologist before. Let's go to the dig site and hang out. 
I have a note where she is like looking at um, fossils in the wall, and she goes, creatures like this one used to roam the earth. Sometimes I wonder what he was thinking before he died. And Luigi says, probably, no, I don't want to die. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All the dinosaur stuff in this book is purportedly because the creators of the film like were aware that Super Mario World had just come out. Yes, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so like, they're like, Yo- oh. Yoshi is in this. Like, th- yep. this is... There, there are bits of, I think it's mo- to the extent that this has anything to do with any Mario game. There are bits of like Mario three in here with like the yep. Bertha thing. Yep. And then there are little tiny bits of uh, Mario there's, World. There's also but. snippets in it, which are a Mario two thing. Yeah, but we don't really talk a lot about. No, we don't. <laughs> it's very weird. I don't remember it from the movie, but I also don't know that. So there are a lot of Goombas in it. I don't know that we ever get an actual physical description Not of any at Goomba. Oh, just this is left for the eight full color photo, like pages of full color photos from the movie. To, and the Goombas are us. so messed. <laughs> They're so weird looking. Um, but the chase sequence you're thinking about one, the Scapellis have flooded the the dig site. And then yeah, they broke the sump pumps. Yes, and so Mario comes. So now that now it's filling up with sump because it's not being pumped out of there. So then Luigi calls Mario, and Mario fixes the sump pump, and then Iggy and Spike show up and steal Daisy. Yeah, and the Mario brothers have to save her. Yeah, and they they're running after her, and Mario's like, I know it sounds like she's coming from this this way, and Luigi's like. I think she's coming from this way. And Mario's like, you're an idiot and I will never listen to anything you say and I yep. don't respect you and I kind Correct. of hate you. I love you, hate you. <laughs> I resent um, you, my brother. I resent you and you're, you're uh, yeah. Uh, so they go to where Mario thought she was and they hear her voice like coming like as if from behind the rock wall. And so they, and so Mario 64 hadn't come out yet, but they do jump it into is, this rock wall yes. to be transported to another dimension. So You're right. A, there's a there's a skosh of Mario 64 to this. Um, Andrew, there's been a request in the chat. Can you show us the messed up Goombas? Yeah, sure. Let me find the best. Okay, I'll try to describe the rock wall thing because this was like a big thing from right. the trailer. Oh so yeah, so that thing behind uh, Daisy there. With the big uh, that's toad arm pads and the little the little <laughs> head, goomba. that's Goomba. That's a Goomba. So stupid! It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. The Goombas are small. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Also, yeah. this movie was uh, released like weeks before Jurassic Park. <laughs> so all of the dinosaur stuff is just really messed up. Uh huh. Um. But so then Mario and Luigi jump through the magic wall because they still have her meteorite. Yeah, fragment. they still have her magic meteorite. And they land. The magic meteorite that she wears around her neck. It was the rock that she was left at the the nunnery with. Yes. Mm-hmm. When she hatched out of the egg. And then the nuns just like raised her without like checking with the Bible to see if like people ever hatched out of eggs. I don't know. I don't yeah, I had a, I was like, do they ever did they ever take her to a doctor? Did they is her DNA different? Dino DNA. Very she has. Mm-hmm. Um so then they're in Dino Hatton and it's very strange here. It's a weird it's weird. It looks kind of like New York but there's like fungus everywhere and a weird old lady comes and robs them and takes the takes the magic stone and then uh some lady in like jetpack boots yep 
comes down and takes the stone from her. This is Bertha, and then just yep. like, flies away. Yep. So the the book's MacGuffin has been like taken off the board, but nobody like the Mario Brothers didn't know what they had, and Koopa doesn't know that they don't have it. Correct. But then they get picked up because Spike and Iggy mentioned something to Koopa about Koopa, who is the king, but he's also campaigning. But also, as we learn later, he only campaigns against himself. I mean, this is just this is just Putin. Right? It's just like Putin, it's like Hussein you have the, stuff, the trappings yeah. of a of a democracy, but there's not actually a choice. Yes. And Koopa, I absolutely has... have to find this physical description of Koopa. Okay, yep, he has like um, some germaphobe stuff going on. He is just like a slick operator, but he's also kind of Donald older, Trumpy. Although older now than when he had pursued the meteorite piece himself, Koopa was still handsome with slick back blonde hair and the self assured look of a tyrant. He wore a shiny black suit made of some sort of lizard skin, a gray snakeskin tie, and a black shirt. So that's a pretty good description, but I'm sure there's another one. I'm going to keep looking for it while you okay, go. Okay, that's fine. Um, the Mario Brothers get hauled in based on the description of them as plumbers. Uh, yeah, it was in that chapter. Uh, <laughs> Koopa spun her around and pinned her roughly against the wall. His blonde hair was slicked back. His skin had an unnatural sheen. His gaze was intense, almost hypnotic. And his face was strangely handsome. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Dennis Hopper is strangely handsome. He's not an unattractive man, but he is strangely handsome. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. The the one of the big trailer moments in this story, they've gotten taken in by the Dino Hatton cops, and uh, they're doing intake. And the guy's like, "What's your name?" And he's like, "Mario, Mario." First Mario, first name, last name Mario. He's like, oh, is your name? Funny jokes. Luigi, Luigi. He's like, no, it's Luigi Mario, which the book has spoiled by already calling them Mario, Mario. Yeah. No, no, that's you're right. That's true. They ruined it. Mm -hmm. Um, They also meet a guy named Toad, who is like kind of an Antifa musician. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Antifungus. No, he's for the fungus. Koopa's antifungus. I was making wordplay. It's funny. Gee whiz. Um, And all three of them are going to get taken to the de-evolution room. Before we describe the de-evolution room, I just want to flag that everyone in this weird Dino Hatton multiverse universe knows... About the mammal verse, uh-huh. but no one in the mammal verse knows knows about the about dino the verse. Well, because the mammal verse is portrayed as the superior verse. It's true, but it's also something has happened in the dino verse where whatever happened to the previous king, there is now fungus everywhere that is like desiccating the kingdom mm-hmm. and depriving it of its resources. Now it's not desiccating it. Because desiccating is when you'd like dry something out, but it is like well, no, they say they don't have water. They like the fountains are dry. Mm. Okay, there's like fungus in the fountains. They can't drink and stuff. There's a desert, the Koopa Desert. (laughs) This fungus because of the desert, or the 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 desert because of the fungus. Well, I don't know if the desert's because of the fungus, but the city's in a bad way because the the city's in a bad way because they don't have food and water because of the fungus. But it's just because the fungus is like blocking everything. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But talk to me about de-evolution, Andrew. The most One of confused. the weirdest things. De-evolution is like they have guns. They keep calling them Devo guns. And, and they have a time, chamber, too. Every time they said 
Devo gun. I had to, it's like, what is this? Is this a reference to the band Devo? No Whip way. It. it means devolution, de-evolution. Yeah. Uh, but there's also a room with a chair and you can put things into the chair and evolve them or de-evolve them as you <laughs> see fit. And so one of the, one of the punishments that Koopa likes to dole out is he will like, like he takes Toad, who's this weird, like Antifa troubadour. Yep. And he de-evolves him into a Goomba. Um, yeah. Which is honestly a more interesting, like the, the lore in the first Mario brothers game is that every question block, block every block that exists in the game is a yep. toad that has been magicked into a block by, by the evil wizard King Koopa, by the evil wizard King Koopa. And so every time you smash a block, every time you get a, like a coin out or a mushroom out, you are killing a toad. Basically. Well, I think that, you're getting a some of them it's like you're getting a like a resistance gift from a from a mushroom kingdom yeah medicine. and then some of it is just like oh you just broke a block and you yep. killed somebody for no reason Bye, well, Derek. For like 50 points i guess see you later mm-hmm. Derek the toad yeah <laughs> but th- th- this is evolution exists on a linear spectrum uh-huh where you can go up or down. Uh-huh. And, and if you only the- go a little bit up, it just kind of makes you smart instead of stupid, which is what happens to Iggy and Spike. Which is like, why wouldn't you just do that on everyone? Well, because you he did it to Iggy and Spike, and then they, they became were in they were in the disco doing anti Koopa rap songs. You're right. That scene was cut out of the movie, but it does exist. It does there is a deleted scene and it is all here in the novelization. Big Bertha's yep. A dance bar is yep. called a disco. The boom boom bar. One, the boom boom bar is called a disco, and Iggy and Spike are in there doing an anti Koopa rap song, which is only, despite being like a forty five second sequence in the deleted scene, is only described in the book in one with one with one yep. line, an anti Koopa rap song. So we get a, a we get a demo of the Devo chamber mm-hmm. on toad we learn i don't know if it's at this point we learn that the the old king whose name is bowser which is the most confusing thing in the entire book nope is that king koopa is the bad guy but king bowser is the good previous king but anyway king bowser has been turned into goop by the he's been turned into fungus yeah fungus goop and like the goop is going everywhere and and that's the fungus that's that's all over Dino Hatton. Is my the old, question: the old king trying to get back at Koopa. My question about King Bowser. King Bowser is: we see the people. We see Koopa devolve somebody into goo. They go yes. like from mm-hmm. dinosaur to goo, mm-hmm. right? What? What's the lineage where Bowser was was fungus? Was he not also a lizard person? No, I think if when you, he just, was a, if you he was devolve a, anybody enough, they become like weird primordial goo. But he became a mushroom. Well, he didn't become a mushroom. He became a goop that could like that could. Oh, grow you mushrooms. think he became a goop? Okay. Yeah, he's a goop. Interesting. That can I grow thought fungus. he became mushroom. Uh... No, he didn't become a mushroom. He's like a big sack of goop. Like there's that scene in the, at the end. Toward the end, where Daisy is like, Luigi, I'd like you to meet my dad. And he's just a big sack of goop hanging from the ceiling. Do you not remember that part? <laughs> well, but yeah, but I thought he was a big sack of mushroom. No, he's a big sack of goop. All right, you keep you keep going, and I'll find the slime sack. Okay, that's fine. Um, Mario and Luigi escape after Toad gets turned into a Goomba. 
Um, they run away. There's a weird sequence where they get, um, they get a, they get They're help. All weird sequences. Well, they get help from the fungi multiple times in the book, but they um, don't it, always like Luigi recognizes it as help. But Mario yes. is like, "Why is this fungus? Why is Correct. this fungus everywhere? And why is it trying to give us power ups?" Mario and Luigi escape from Koopa after he devolved Toad after he pretended to be a lawyer for some reason, and. They get into some cop cars and drive around a little bit, and it's the second or third time that the book references Luigi doing something because of video games, and then the car breaks, uh, and uh, then they have to go in a Koopa tunnel to the Koopahari Desert now, to get away. Uh, this may sound kind of weird, Daisy Stammered. I mean, I know it's a little early in our relationship, but I'd like you to meet my father. Luigi stared at the blob of fungus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna keep. He's a blob turning. of fungus. He's a, but there's a different description of him from okay. Koopa's perspective. All right, I'm gonna keep looking. All right, let me read you one of my favorite Mario lines yeah, in the keep book. Keep going. Keep going. Um, so they drive away, and they're gonna drive down this tunnel to get away from the Koopa cops or whatever. Into the Koopahari Desert. Yes, and <laughs> uh, once again, the radio crackled on. Aliens heading west on Great Koopa Boulevard, approaching Grand Koopa Parkway near the turnoff <laughs> oh, to the Koopahari Desert Tunnel. I know. I know and Mario doing. says, "I thought Kennedy had a lot of stuff named after him." Got him. <laughs> my note: There are three parts in my notes where I I say to a character, "Good joke," and the first one was <laughs> Luigi saying, "Bonologist." And the second one was uh, this Kennedy Koopa one. I said, good joke, Mario. And I'll tell you the third one a little bit later. Okay. But it, it is at this point in the novel that we get several full-color pictures. Andrew, can you give us some full-color pictures other than the Goomba real quick? All right. So, like, here's uh, here's Mario and Luigi yep. played by uh, John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins. It is Hoskins. not until very late in the story until they don their traditional their Mario colors. garb. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so here's a so uh let's see if my camera will focus on it. I'm not sure it will. To the extent that that anyone has had anything positive to say about this movie, it's they the design. Usually, yeah. They usually say that the design of Dino Hatton is like a sort of a weird, like uh blade runnery kind of like dystopia yep. thing. Yeah, okay. There's Koopa who just has weird hair and that's that's the that's how he looks like dennis hopper hated this movie um he just there you you can see a good there's a good shot of dino hat with the you can see the thwomp thwomp bar you can see the elect koopa statue or statue poster yep uh let's see we've got here's what yoshi looks like in this one yeah it's a weird weird... et looking dinosaur uh here's here's iggy and spike you're getting a lot of Daisy. So many, like you get some monsters, but so many of the people in this movie are just guys. Are Samantha, just... Samantha Mathis plays Princess Daisy. She gives a fine performance, if I recall correctly. Not that she has anything to do. Oh yeah, that's when uh, Dennis Hopper is being he's being evolved, yeah, into a dinosaur. So he just has weird gloves on. Apparently, some of the Jurassic Park people liked the Yoshi puppet. They thought it was pretty impressive because it it is like sort of stand the way that it's shot as i recall is like pretty impressive like it's just operating on its own um anyway so we come out of the, the so this is a key i mean this is a key part of any any novelization is the full color pictures in the middle yeah right 
Um, Koopa has a lady friend named Lena, played by Fiona Shaw, that is, is just a, like, what is this doing here? This is a Scapelli-esque character where it's just like another <laughs> another weird thread that's whipping around. Yep. She's just there. She also wants to cause the merge of the dimensions. Koopa needs the meteorite fragment from Daisy. I mean, she wants to merge with Koopa, which is the thing that she well. explicitly says. <laughs> totally right. The tallest building, and this is just about Dino Hatton, the tallest yeah. buildings were two towers, like the World Trade Center. Koopa's Towers, Luigi thought. <laughs> Andrew, can you hold up the photo of Fiona Shaw getting like electrocuted again? A bunch of people were like, oh my God, Fiona Shaw in the chat. Yeah. Yeah. That's her. Yeah, there she is. Um, and he evolves Iggy and Spike to try and make them smarter. That turns them into anti-Koopa rappers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Daisy hangs out with Koopa and Yoshi. Um, then it's like I don't know. Oh, they go to Bertha's bar. To get because the, they have to, to get they the meteor the they gotta get the meteorite back. back from her because Koopa's looking for the meteorite because that's what he needs to open the door between the dimensions. Yes, and so they're gonna get it, I guess, to save the day slash bargain with Koopa. Here's Mario. Mario needs to flirt with Bertha to get the oh my god to get the meteorite, and so here's his opening line. And take note of, take note of this. Anybody who's trying to pick up somebody in a bar. Hi, the name's Mario, he said with a smile. I'm your main man, your Ramadam, your can of spam. <laughs> Pow, Bertha <laughs> slugged him so hard in the jaw that he flew backwards across the floor and landed at his brother's feet. Yeah. Yeah. Bertha ends up being on their side because she wants them to take down Koopa, right? And then, and then, but he does succeed. Please, Mario begged, hit me again. I've never seen such fluidity of form or such grace. The way your lip curled in that sensual snarl as you rocked your fist back. The way your knuckles tenderly crunched when you brought them smashing into my face. The band started to play a low song. Bertha smiled. Dance with me and I'll hit you all you want, she murmured, <laughs> putting her arms around him. I think this was some of the stuff that not, Disney, not, like, Nintendo not, didn't want in the movie. Not trying to kink shame at all. Like consenting adults can can yeah. do what they want. In the, I, I mean, I, I would encourage Mario and Big Bertha to like establish like ground rules and a safe yep. word before they start. Just maybe don't other, do this on the dance floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, Mario got it on the rebound. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. So. Then they're getting assistance from her. They have to go back to. They're dressed as sniffets for some. I don't like this part of the book and the movie. It gets a little fuzzy to me because there isn't like. I guess Lena wants to go do the meteorite on her own at some point. Uh huh. And the but she Mario... just wants Koopa to like love her. Yeah. It's never, she never gets to a point where she does a face turn and is like, oh, Koopa's treating me badly. I'm a, I'm a good guy now. That's She's true. just also wandering around as a, as a bad guy well, who is foiling Koopa accidentally by not being able to talk with him. And he's kind of leering at Daisy in a way that makes her upset. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like that. And then, of High course, in the tower, Koopa entered a room where a large bulb of yellowish, yellowish fungus hung from a fungus enveloped de evolution cone. What? So just like he's just like a weird goop that is described as fungus. He's fungus, man. He got turned into fungus. 
But he's hanging from a cone? He's a large bulb of fungus? What's a bulb of fungus look like? I don't know. If you look up, if you look up, you can try to find a picture. There, What is not in this book that I can remember, but that I do think is in the movie, is the the fungus cone turns back into the good King Bowser. That doesn't happen in the book. It does not happen in the book. I it guess does it's implied that movie. it could happen because you can evolve people as well as de-evolving them. But. That is correct. Um, there, there's something weird where just like Bowser dying just causes a bunch of stuff to happen. Yeah, no, like there, there are. I'm finding fungus balls, but they just look like a like a like a flower bulb or something. They okay, like a thing that something grows out of. But this, this. Like he is described in this book as something that can just kind of like move around and it has like tendrils and I mostly want to it can fit in like a lot of different yep. I don't know. He's all over the place. And I just want to like mention that because the book and the movie that quote from Miyamoto about being too much like the games is so too much wrong. Like the games. Yeah, no, there's fungus, uh there's uh, there's the Mario Brothers, there's a lot of really it's we've, too close to the games. We've kind think. of elided over the weird jump boots that they got from Big Bertha, which is like, oh, like Mario jumps. Um but li- <laughs> but then meanwhile the fungus is giving them literal bombs. <laughs> like yeah. it is the one thing literally lifted off the Super Nintendo, just a bomb. Mm-hmm. That they th- that they use in multiple scenes. I don't know. Is it a bomb or is it just a bomb that nope. has like a winding thing nope. on the back? Of it, it is a it is a tiny bomb okay. in the movie. It's like with a little the eyes and the feet and everything. Yep, it walks. It winds up. It's great. But is that what it is in the book? I don't know that it's described that way. In the book, the oh, book I, just chooses not to describe what some things look like. Fair it's enough. Possible. Like most many of these novelizations are written based on like earlier script drafts. This feels um, pretty close. It just feels like it has the stuff that got cut out. It, it has some out. stuff that got cut out. But but like it is not clear to me that somebody had decided what like Google everything would look like. Looked yeah. exactly like in, you know, f- from whatever draft Todd Strasser was working on. Fair enough. Um okay. The the Mario Brothers are saving Daisy. They're going to fight Koopa or something. Um Mario is gonna save all the Brooklyn girls, yeah, including Daniela, including who got Daniela. kidnapped randomly. Well, okay, so one of them is from Queens, but well, she that's seems my nice. third. That's my third good joke. That was a good joke. Um, and Mario saves the girls, and he says, "I came all this way with one thing on my mind: rescuing you all or all of you. You're all the girls missing from Brooklyn, right?" And Daniela says, "Well, Andy's from Queens, but she's okay." <laughs> There's another I could I could never find it'd be a needle in a haystack trying to look for it, but there's another joke at some point where somebody is ta- I don't know if they're like talking about a Goomba or like some other monster and one of them goes, Well, are you from the Bronx? <laughs> no wonder people say not to go up there. So and there's so like they- a few a few like five boroughs jokes in here for the for the east coast media <laughs> release so good mm-hmm. so mario and the girls like slide down a big frozen oh mario like froze the koopa tower he turns the air conditioning up really high yeah. and it freezes the koopa tower okay so then he slides down a big tube on a mattress with a bunch of girls it's yeah. like the penguin level for mario 64 um, i have just really yep full, i have a full colored still image oh yeah please that share that yep there he is. It's a great scene. It's oh, a great Bob, scene. Poor Bob Hoskins. Um, you could just see in his face that he's, he's not having, having a good time. Yeah. 
Um, so then there's a big showdown in the street between I Mario for the way my fingers look. I've been painting a fence all week, <laughs> so that's why my <laughs> hands. <laughs> didn't think about that before I started like holding my hands right up to a camera. <laughs> it's like a protracted fight sequence where like, well, first like Lena jams the meteorite in the thing and she like, it kind of explodes and dies. Uh-huh. And then Mario and Koopa are fighting, but the meteorite being in there teleports them into the real world, which sort of becomes Dino Hatton for a period of time. For like a little bit. It's like the, the dimensions are, are the wall between them is falling down. Is that when they devolve Scapelli? Yeah, Scapelli does get devolved into slime. And, the, and a well, monkey? No, wait. He a gets, okay, Scapelli gets evolved into a monkey. Koopa gets devolved into slime, and, and then an a car end. runs over him, and then everybody cheers, which yes. is another moment that I really like. That is after Luigi pulls the meteorite fragment out of the meteorite, bringing them back, and then they devolve him into a T-Rex, and then they devolve him into slime. Uh, and then everybody cheers, and then, like, magically, the Dino Hatton becomes a slightly better place. Well, because the the... The, the good fungus was why the Dino Hatton was such a bad place. Yeah, yeah. And when all the all the Koopa the Koopa stuff is gone, King Bowser, the fungus king, <laughs> decides that he's not going to starve his former subjects anymore, and so yep. he retreats, and so everything is fine. In the movie, he becomes a man again, which I'm presumably sure makes all the fungus go away. Daisy and Luigi make out probably, and she's going to stay there. To be to be one of the leaders of her kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, but then we get like a Back to the Future style ending, which also was cut out of the movie. Well, the very very end of of Daisy showing up, I think, is in the movie. Oh, is that in the movie? Okay, I think no. it is. Mm-hmm. Where she shows up like three weeks later. I think just the, the sequel that this ending implies was cut out of existence. Yes, I think is what I'm thinking about. I, I do remember. The actress playing Daisy, like, bursting through the Mario Brothers door with some sort of gun and being like, I need your help. And they're like, okay. And the way that it's written in the book, it's like, oh, you won't believe what's happening. And Mario's like, no, I do believe it. Like, he does believe (laughs) the tabloids now. So it's a weird. It's a weird story. It's a weird movie. It's a weirder book. It's very weird. As but, well. I mean, Todd Strasser writes it engagingly, I guess. He does. And it's less, lest we forget, this has the official international Nintendo licensed products. You're right. It does. It, so. it has the seal of approval. It's not like the golden seal of approval that they put on the games. I wish my stupid webcam would focus because everybody needs to see this as an official licensed product. <laughs> there, there it is. is. Yeah. It's real, man. It is includes real. eight pages of full color stills from the blockbuster film. Daisy, the beautiful paleontologist princess, plumbers in a parallel universe. Oh my god! So, what? How did this stack up to your memory, Andrew? As a read, I mean, I remember the full color photos for sure. Yeah, I remember specifically the Yoshi one because I was like, "That's not what Yoshi looks like." Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. I think I don't remember when because I remember so Princess Toadstool was yeah. her name Mario 3 originally in 
the United States. And then starting in Mario 64, she was Peach. Yep. I don't know when the King Koopa to Bowser thing happened, but I feel like it was before that. Well, so I, don't, I don't know if I would have been confused by the Koopa Bowser, like Koopa's a bad guy, Bowser's a good guy dichotomy that exists in this book. I'm trying to remember if he was Koopa or Bowser in Mario 3. According to the Wikipedia... You, yeah, you wind us down. And I'm... Yeah, I don't know. You tell me, because I know, because he, he says so long... Yeah, it's, I mean, the Wikipedia says from antagonist Bowser. Well, but we all... Yeah, I don't know. Um, But... Yeah, uh, Nora in the chat asks, how is the book as an adaptation of the movie? It's pretty faithful from what I remember. Most of the things, everything that happens in the movie happens in the book. The Super Mario Brothers 3 manual says Bowser is back. Okay, great. On page three. So they ha, ha, ha. These are my seven children that are going to help me take over the mushroom world. Yep. But, but then he was Bowser's sur- Bowser's surname is Koopa because all the Bowser's kids are named are the Koopalings. Koopa. Yeah. yeah, and all, including Morton Koopa Junior., which is like who is Morton <laughs> named after? <laughs> well, and then they change that later that they weren't his children. Only Bowser Junior. No, Bowser Junior. is his children. Uh, Bowser no longer acknowledges the paternity of the Koopalings. of the Koopalings. <laughs> I love Nintendo. <laughs> um. Yeah, to Denora's question, you know, there's stuff in here that I definitely didn't remember, which was because it was cut out, and mostly I could just read along to the movie in my memory and have a good time. Um, It's hard to tell, and I couldn't find anything about this in any of the oral histories, like, if anything about Luigi's characterization was, like, John Leguizamo riffing. There's a lot in the first like tenth of the book when he's meeting Daisy being kind of a goober and like not knowing how to talk to ladies. And I don't know if that is from the original script or if like, was that Leguizamo bringing that to the shoot or was that in the script? I have no idea. There were apparently people showed up to shooting and there was a different script than what they'd agreed (laughs) to. So, um, but I do want to make sure we shout out Andrew. The back of this book, I think I have the same edition that you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I th- can't imagine there were multiple editions yeah. of this. Just advertises some fun books by for young audiences mm-hmm. um, in whatever this imprint was. Um, can you? What does that say at the top of the page above? What does that say? Also in Fantail? Also in Also in also in Fantail, yes. Okay. Stay Fantail Sonic. Was, Fantail official, is like the publisher of the book. The yeah. official Sega handbook. Sonic the Hedgehog Adventure Game Book, Robotropolis, Sonic the Adventure Sonic the Hedgehog Adventure Game Book, The Zone Rangers. I was just really surprised by th- the a Nintendo character having three Sonic books sharing a publisher with a sega character yeah Mm. later i mean they would later go on to compete in the olympic games and then on the very next page there are a number of james bond jr books um some of them are titled live and let's dance (laughs) the eiffel target and a view to a thrill Mm. It's less violent than A View to a Kill. It doesn't yeah. make any more sense. But no, it doesn't. I just like these books. I like what they're called. But a Babysitter's Nightmare is, is also a fun 
Yeah. Sound, yeah. I like it. Um, but yeah, that's the book. I had a good time reading it. Yeah, it's fun. It doesn't make any sense at all, but it doesn't make it not fun. <laughs> no, and they bet that it made not a lot of money. It was not a success. People were mostly indifferent to it. It finished fourth its opening weekend. Yeah, um, is that bad? What did I wonder it, if it had come out now, if it had, would have been like huge in China or something. I can't remember what it finished behind. Not great. Um, I don't have that to hand. That's fine. Let's let's wrap up. We've been going yeah, forever. We can wrap up. Um, oh, finished behind Cliffhanger, Made in America, and Dave. Those are the three <laughs> movies. <that laughs> what is Dave? Uh, is that some somebody becomes a president? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Kevin Klein. No, that yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, that's our episode on the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, from 1993, not the new one, excuse me. You can email us your favorite Super Mario Brothers memories, your favorite game, your Mario Kart main, things like that. OverduePod at gmail.com, social media at OverduePod. Uh, our theme song is composed by Nick Larandris. Thanks to everybody who joined us in the chat from patreon.com slash overduepod. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. If you're in the chat, you already know about this, but patreon.com slash overduepod is the name of our Patreon. Well, it's the URL, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> of our Patreon project. You can support the show directly, uh, join our Discord, and have more fun chats like the one that's happening in the the youtube chat right now as i speak yeah um if we do like a if we record a an episode about like a beloved children's book and you take some umbrage with uh with with some of our <laughs> commentary like you can you can just yell at us directly in the discord yeah that's um, how it works that's how it works and we enjoy it and we have fun that's why it sounds there. like i'm being facetious but i do enjoy it i do um I th- yeah, that's about all my voice has. I think I'm I think I'm done. Yep, that's fine. Mama um, Mia. Mama Mia, the books for the May stuff should be getting and going right now. You should already know about that. Um, if this is on the main feed, I don't know what day it is, but I hope you're having a good one. And that's it. Thanks, everybody, for making the stream happen. Yeah. Mama Mia. Mama Mia, everybody. It's Here me. we go again. <laughs> until we t- until we go again next time. Please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.